Hello and welcome to the podcast. We are absolutely thrilled to have Jason Hewlett here and I'm going to read his bio. Having delivered thousands of presentations over two decades, Jason Hewlett is the only speaker in the world teaching leadership in a performance of uncanny musical and comedy impressions, utilizing the legends of stage. The Promise is a keynote speech that feels like a show with proven processes and immediately implementable takeaways to transform your business and leadership skills. Jason is the author of the Facebook post entitled, I Saw My Wife at Target Today, which has been seen by more than 100 million people. A recent and one of the youngest inductees in the prestigious Speaker Hall of Fame, his talks inspire leadership from the perspective of a promise while giving attendees an engaging, entertaining, and educational experience all in one. So, so honored to have you today. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm so good. How are you today? You look like you're ready for a podcast. Here we go. I am. And you know, I just am so grateful. I got to meet you. Um, you know, it's really funny. I don't know if you know this story, but I started at the National Speakers Association and I knew you were important, but I didn't really know how important, right? <laughs> oh, gosh. That's and, and, and really, truly, I, I just got brave and went up and asked you a question. I don't even know if you remember this, but I um, told you that I was wanting to start speaking and sharing my message. And you asked me one question, and that question was, did God, did God give you a message to share? And I looked at you in the eyes and I just like had chills head to toe and I, I got emotional and I, I didn't want to cry because I didn't know you. Right. And I, I said, yes, I have a message to share. And, and then you, I think you said the words, well, then how dare you not share it? Then go do it. And the thought came to me, heck yes, I'm going to go do this. And, and I have uh, for this last year, I have shared my message I have been able to create this podcast all because of that question that was so inspiring, Jason. I'm I'm putting my arms up for you and I'm cheering for you and I'm clapping and I'm so impressed that you've done it because yeah, God does put it in us and it's our opportunity and our responsibility to share it. So I'm very proud of you. Good job. And you're doing wow. great things. I'm really grateful and even creating this podcast to help other people find ways to share their message and get out there. And I'd love to hear, like, how did you get started? I had you to ask this question and we know a lot of wonderful things about you, but you know, what kind of led you onto this, this journey of speaking and helping people and such fun comedy? What, what, what would you say? Well, candidly, my career began, I believe when I was in, grade school as a young boy, just realizing that I could make people laugh. And so doing impressions of the teacher or of movie characters and singers and things that I could do naturally, that was really the first place that I realized I could do something that was unique. And it wasn't until I was a missionary in Brazil for two years for my church that I realized, wow, this translates even when I don't speak the language well. And so I was making people laugh even while I was supposed to be teaching them the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and that was an interesting thing to realize. Uh, people wanted to be entertained, and then I could then draw in the spirit of what I was doing. And so I thought, you know, combining both is a wonderful thing. When I was 21 years old, I was done with that service. I came back home to Utah and 
I decided I wanted to get into the performing business. And even though I had scholarship offers to major universities and it was assumed that I would be going to school and doing kind of the traditional route, instead, I began work on a show of music, comedy, impressions, and I spoke at firesides, which are like events that my church puts together for youth, usually. And I would speak at those fireside events where young people would listen to me, even though they were about five years younger, but talking about how we could live our dreams, but we could also live on purpose and in faith. And so as I did all of those things all at once, I I found myself in Las Vegas as a Las Vegas entertainer. As crazy as that sounds, that sounds like a big transition. Really, it wasn't because I'd been working on performing for so long. And I just had the right connections because of my father, who was very connected with the right people, as well as uh, a couple of mentors that I've written about extensively, Chris Polis, Coach Tony Ingle, some people that opened doors for me that made my life really amazing right away to have opportunities in front of major producers in Las Vegas and be a performer. But it, it mostly comes back to my dad, John Hewlett, who was able to get me in front of the right people. And I'm so thankful for all of the mentors that opened the doors. So when you ask, how did I get started? I guess the long answer is truly, I've been doing it my whole life anyway. And I believe that I was meant to do what I am doing. That's why I feel that I have the confidence I do in it. And even though I'm still trying to improve every day, as we walk in our humility and in a fine balance of confidence as well in what we know we're supposed to do, I believe we can succeed in that. And so that's how I've made my career. I've been doing this now. Gosh, Talia, I'm 45. <laughs> so I've been doing it for almost a quarter of a century. It's incredible. Well, you've only got a year on me. I just turned 44. So <laughs> you're yeah. a little older. Well, it's funny because I met one of your friends. We met her, um, Candace, and she, I just, she, she kind of leaned over and said, Yeah, I, I grew up going to school with Chase. And I said, Really? I said, What was that like? And she's like, Honestly, he was hilarious, even in kindergarten. Like he would do the funniest things. She started to tell me a little bit, but we felt like we were kids in the back of the class talking. So she didn't tell me at all. But she was so funny to just say, You did just kind of, you kind of always been this way. I was curious when you led on that in on your mission, like what things would you do? I mean, that is such a difference with a language barrier. I mean, you've got such great expressions. I'd be curious to hear or see how you engaged people, what what started with you sharing that part of you know your religion through the humor. That's a great question. And the challenge for the people that are only listening is they may need to go to YouTube to watch this because what I did as a missionary was you would have to knock on doors and it's not a knocking door situation with your hand on a door. There's actually a fence. And so you'd have to clap uh-huh. from outside of the fence to try to get someone to realize you're at the door. Oh, wow. And they would, they would look out and they would see missionaries and they were used to missionaries bugging them, wanting to come in their house. And so I would say, Hey, we have something to tell you. And they're like, we've already heard you. And I would do my choppy Portuguese version of that. And uh-huh. they would say, we've already heard your message. We don't need anything else from you. And I'd say, we have something new. 
<laughs> which in reality we didn't, <laughs> yeah. but I knew they had never seen anyone like me. And so I would, and they would say, well, what do you mean you have something new? And I'd say, could the others do this? And I'd do this thing with my lips. You and have they to would check go, out YouTube link. This is incredible. Yeah. They'd go, no, no, uh, no one's ever done that. Come in. <laughs> and so then I'd go up, you know, to their kids and sit on the couch and I'd be like, Hey kids, how are you doing? And I'd be like Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. I'd be like, Oh boy. Uh, hi everybody. And they're like going and getting their friends outside and running in and other parents would be coming over. And so we would almost have like a gathering in the house because I was doing these wacky voices, impressions, things like a velociraptor from Jurassic Park. The movie had just come out. This was this was late 1990s. And so I'm like running around like a raptor. I'm like, and the kids are running. And the guy I was with, who's another missionary companion who's sitting there like, what the heck is happening? <laughs> and so I, I learned quickly that even if I didn't speak the language perfectly, we could connect in a comedic way. And then we would get everyone laughing and gathered around us. And then we'd say, can we teach you about our message about Jesus? And they'd be like, Yes, please. <laughs> and so that was kind of how it all began. And what's what's cool about that is that I think that all of us have what's called a signature move, something we're known for. And a lot of us are known for many signature moves. And I think that's what's cool about the fact that you met Candace. Her name is Candace Christiansen from my youth, but her name is now Candace Christiansen Noss. And she's a life coach and she's incredible. I mean, what a wonderful, generous spirit and human she's always been. She was one of my first friends as a as a kid. And we grew up in a place called Park City, Utah, which is very rare to grow up in Park City, Utah. It's a small mm -hmm. ski town way back when. And I remember meeting her. She was smarter than everybody else. She was the best athlete on our all-male soccer team, except for her. She scored all the goals. She was just an incredible athlete. Like she had life figured out from the get-go. And so that's why she's a great coach and speaker that she is now. But I remember I asked her to prom and that was a wonderful experience as well. You know, we were just such dear friends. So it's fun to see someone succeeding that way and to realize that she's taken all of the greatness that she's had ever since she was young and turned it into her career as a public speaker, as a life coach, as a person who has it all together. And even though she feels like, you know, she hasn't had it all together. So now she's teaching women how to get through their challenges to having the best life possible. She remembers me for all these signature moves of the funny faces and the raptor, you know, all these weird things that I could do. And so to her, it was like a natural transition for me as well to make a, a living and a life out of doing what I do now. And I think that that's important for all of us to understand that, that we are supposed to find that thing that we're here to do and we can obviously create it it would naturally be there as a gift and a talent that needs to become a skill. And so through the years, as I've worked on perfecting it or just getting better at it, it's become something that's been really cool to see manifest from grade school to being on a mission to now feeling like I'm living my mission. Well, you know, the coolest part is when you're doing this, this is the skill you've been practicing. You're talking while you're doing it. Like, I'm like, whoa, that's a skill. He's doing the fun mouth movements. He's, you know, doing it all. And he's still talking. So like, 
you're telling us that took time to keep practicing and building upon. It kind of came natural, but then you just kept practicing and building to become even better. Is that what I heard you say? Exactly right. Yeah. I mean, we're often we see somebody and we go, wow, they are so talented. You have such a gift. Truth is, it is a gift and it's a gift straight from God. And however, if we do not utilize that gift, if we don't exercise our talents, if we don't work at them, then they will be snuffed out. And so they eventually go from gift and talents into a skill. And the more we work at that skill, the greater it appears that we haven't worked on it at all, that it's just so natural. (laughs) Everyone's like, oh, you're naturally gifted. We are, but we need to work as much as possible to perfect that skill and get to the point where people are just like, gosh, I, I wish I could do that. And I say to them, well, you have talents I don't have. I have talents you don't want. You know? And that gets a laugh. <laughs> well, the funny thing about this is, I mean, I'm laughing at all this, but some of us could get in our heads, you know, well, I don't have that skill. I'm not funny and I can't talk while you're doing the movements and things and get intimidated, right? And I think the question I would ask you is, for some of us that are feeling called to want to have connection with people, wanting to feel more confident to speak and communicate. I mean, did you have any struggles or any, um, just anything that was discouraging along, along your time that you'd be willing to share with us? Things that maybe it wasn't always that easy and you just kept persevering to go and create what you've, what you've been able to do. That's a great question. And you know, that, uh, what is that quote that, comparison is the thief of joy. You've heard that. And I believe that because we live in an Instagram world and TikTok and all these other social media wonderfulness things of connection, the challenge truly becomes we can compare ourselves so much to the perfection that's being displayed that we can even cease trying to become our best selves because we say other people doing it better Maybe it's that one talent or skill we thought we had, and we see somebody that's a a master at it. It's almost like if you were an artist and then you lived at the same time as Da Vinci, imagine how many artists would watch Da Vinci and and say, well, I guess I don't need to paint. (laughs) And so that's the exact same thing that's happening on Instagram. And I have to laugh because I'm thinking, gosh, I still do it myself and catch myself looking at the success of others and saying, why am I not on the stage like they are when they get a different event that I've never gotten or something to that effect? Or why do they have thousands and millions of followers or views and I don't? And so we get to that place in our mind and how do we, how do we work through that? Well, I remember as a kid, I... I mean, heavens, Tally, I should never have been a public speaker. That's for darn sure. I was Why is that? I was incapable of even getting past kindergarten due to reading and and speaking, essentially. So I grew up with a very strong speech impediment. Uh, I had a big uh, a really challenge with my aws and my ethid and my teeth. And there were issues with my language. So I went to a speech pathologist and I I worked through that as a kid. My mom had to come and sit next to me after class every day in kindergarten to get me through into the next year of first grade. And I remember the challenges of reading, paying attention, 
keeping track of things, being able to write and write not just ridiculousness, but there are interesting things when it comes to what we're supposed to do and when we have the drive or determination to still get through it. So yeah, I did have some challenges as a kid with that. I also had challenges with connection. I mean, I made people laugh, but to a certain extent, you get to the point where you think, maybe they only like me because I make them laugh. Can I be the guy that's not just funny? Can I just be serious? Mm -hmm. And then if you're serious, they think you're sick or you're having a bad day when you're like, I just don't want to put on a show today. (laughs) And so getting through all of that is a fascinating experience. But coming to the place of knowing that you're who you are and what you should be doing and how you should be doing it, that's a really big place to come to. And and as a kid, I worked very hard to not only make people laugh, but also to be someone that the teachers could uh, look to as a leader. And I wanted to do both. I wanted to make my friends laugh, but also make the teachers realize that I'm not just a goof off. And so finding that fine balance, that connection was important for me. And through the years, you know, getting to the point of making a living as a speaker, it's almost baffling to some people that have known me back from way back when versus a friend like we mentioned earlier who says, oh, of course. I mean, that's naturally what he should have been. Yeah. Not everybody thought that. <laughs> that she, she saw the best in me. And other people would look at me now and say, gosh, I, I never saw that coming in him. And so that's interesting, isn't it? How we yeah. all have that. You know, it's interesting. I, I love everything you're sharing. I had no idea. You would never know um, that you had gone through that with your speech. Uh, and then thank you for being vulnerable and even sharing because, you know, some of us have these lenses of like, oh, they always, they were meant for this. They didn't struggle. They didn't have anything. But working with kids that have like learning disabilities and just some dyslexia and other things, you know, and speech, we've got cousins and stuff. It's it's something that that takes work and time. And so good for you for getting through that, for learning, you know, how you could overcome it and be stronger and even being willing to share it with other people that they can do it too. That if you're able to do hard things that they can too, right? And overcome. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, even bringing that up. And I haven't shared very often about the speech things. And candidly, I was eventually held back in ninth grade. I did it twice. And what was tough about that is that everybody's like, why didn't you get through, (laughs) you know? And for me, being held back was a big deal. I got to finally kind of catch up with all the learning that I was so behind with. And I, I didn't have confidence in myself as a learner, as a reader, as a writer. It's hard when a teacher receives some of your work and says, you'll never be a good writer and you have a dream in your mind that you're going to be an author. That's a weird space to be in. But I knew someday I would write a book and I knew someday I would be speaking for people. I eventually got to be in leadership and positions at school, but to think, you know, I'm not, I'm not good at these things. Naturally. I'm not good at school. I'm not good at memorizing anything and regurgitating it back. I was good at creative thinking, but the creativity was too far beyond what the teacher wanted. And so I was, I, I failed frequently. And I say that failing frequently equals success. We need to throw enough stuff at the wall in order to see what will stick. 
And I believe that truly for me, my life is literally come down to enough failures that I finally succeeded at something. And I'm grateful that all of these failures haven't necessarily been promoted, but I do know that I fail frequently on stage, even though I make a living at this, I fail in my own opinion, whereas the audience thinks it's successful. And that's a very interesting line as well. Yeah, that really is because we have this expectation of what we expect and what we see in ourselves. And sometimes even if others see it, like, right, (laughs) as we're doing it, we've got to believe in ourselves because when we believe in ourselves, truly, I really believe other people believe in us too. And what I find interesting is even at ninth grade, you had a thought about writing a book and about speaking that, that early on. Was that what I heard you say? That's correct. Because what you shared is so powerful. I think so many of us are trying to work through our own internal thoughts, our own expectations of ourselves, our own beliefs and thinking, and what other people put on us. You know, you'll never be good enough to do this, or you're not meant to. And and rising above all of that. You know, I I see my daughter. I'm going to share this really quick because she's 17. And she, she had some dyslexia and I think she's open for me to share this is that she learned to, to what was the word, not work harder or smarter, but she learned that she does work harder. Things came a little easier to my son, but he didn't feel like he had to work as hard for her. She put in the extra time and the energy and, and do that. And I see her being successful in so many other areas because she learned how to work hard and work through challenges. So when you said that about the failures, I really believe that they're, they're really not failures. They're just helping us be able to get to the goal, right? They're, they're actually gifts. And I don't know how you feel about it, but I really look at these things as gifts to help us become greater and stronger if we choose to see them not as failures, but, you know, becoming who we're meant to be. Awesome. That's great. And I really admire your daughter for the grit. That would be the word. I'm trying to teach my own children that. I have a couple of children that succeed so easily at life, it seems, and at sports and everything just comes easy. And then other children that are sitting there going, everything stinks. I can't do anything well. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. And they're comparing themselves. The compare game can really slow you down. And it's very important to get to that place of grit. And so I'm really happy for you and your daughter for her discovering that and getting there. I do hope I can ingrain that into my children because I'm telling you, if everything's smooth and dandy all through your grade school, you're going to come up against a roadblock and you're going to see competition. There'll be people outside of the you know, the small pond and you're the big fish, you're all of a sudden going to be in the ocean. (laughs) And how do you compare or compete? The question really comes down to what are your signature moves? What are your gifts and talents? Have you tried out enough things to figure out, oh yeah, I can do this. I'm good at this. I mean, I wrote about it in my book where when I was held back in ninth grade, I moved to a new school. It was a private school. It was called Waterford, which is a beautiful school in Sandy, Utah, very expensive private school my parents sent me to. I got there and I was older than everybody in the ninth grade because I was held back. So it was the first time I was the oldest in my class. I was essentially shaving and driving as a, as a ninth grader. It was hilarious. But here's what happened. 
I found out pretty quickly that the funny guy was not as accepted right away. And so then I thought, okay, what other talents could I do to make them like me? And then I, I, I tried to do art because I was an artist. I could draw people well and I could, I could do really good cartoons. Nobody cared about that. And I just kept realizing that there were other people that were better at art than me, or there are people that were funnier than me. And so eventually I came to the realization that I could just be nice to everybody and be kind and and complimentary. And as I learned everyone's name and I memorized their birthdays and I figured out ways that I could serve them, I became everyone's friend in the entire school. And eventually I was elected as the student body president and those types of neat things. But I realized I could just be the nice one that walked through the halls with a big fat smile. (laughs) And that was enough for people that would either not thinking they had a friend, at least they knew I was their friend. And so when we think about signature moves, maybe we're not the funniest or the smartest or the best artist or the best writer, but we can be the nicest. We can be the happiest and it's a choice. And so that was a very important thing for me to realize at an early age. No, I I don't think you could have said it better. I, you know, it's something I've, I've learned is, you can never go wrong by being kind and trying to lift other people. Um, I see that in you. I always see you reaching out and telling people, you know, hey, read this book or do this. And I, I love that. And I think some of us naturally come with that. And for some, it's a little harder to try to be optimistic. And, you know, going back to your kids, you know, I feel like for us as we lead and we continue showing up kindly, trying to give service, trying to do, you know, work on ourselves that's the example we set for our kids because they'll see how we are genuinely and how amazing that a couple of your kids are having trials because they'll be better because of it. And looking at that as a gift, as we talk to them and just, you know, and, and I've said to my daughter, I never worry about you. I just don't worry about you in life. You're going to do, you're going to be amazing. And I really believe that because that grit, like you talked about, is what's helped her become who she is. So awesome that we have these kids that are struggling. Um, Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about confidence and I kind of felt like maybe that rolls into it, but having that confidence to to want to be the kind person, to smile when there's the mean people that look like they have a, you know, the bullies or the growlers, they really, I really believe probably love that we're trying to be kind, but how do we feel confident to be able to do that and show up as our authentic self who we're trying to be? That's part of the trick. I mean, to smile in the face of everyone else telling you not to smile, that's a tricky one. And I would just say that when you believe deep down enough in something to stand for it, to share it, and to essentially gift that which only you can bring to the world. That's where confidence comes from, is knowing that you have a purpose, knowing that you have a reason. And even if it's just to say, I'm going to smile whether you like it or not, <laughs> I think that's an important place to be. Uh, I, feel, I, I feel like the smile that I've shared through the years has been something of, yes, an expression of confidence, but it's also been a way to break down the walls and the barriers. And a lot of the time, the smile actually leads to my greatest gift. 
I mean, I make a living as a speaker, but I make a life as a listener. And so my greatest gift has always been ready to listen to whoever wants to chat. And I love just sitting and listening to people and telling me about their their struggles and maybe what they're good at and how I can help them. To me, that's the, that's the joy of life is to just sit and listen to somebody. I find it ironic, though, that I'm such a a speaker as a living <laughs> where I, but I made a living early on as somebody who listens to a voice of somebody else. And then I would impersonate it. And so I made a living first as someone who listened and then made a, made him laugh or made him sing along by doing music and impressions. And that kind of thing has led to a great living for me. And now that I get to listen to your questions and do my best to respond, I am also listening underneath to see if I can unfurl something that we haven't explored quite yet. And so maybe the signature move of a lot of the people that are willing to listen to this podcast or watch it on YouTube or thinking to themselves, maybe I can be a better listener. Maybe I can allow these these two things on the side of my head because we're only given one mouth but two ears. So we should listen a little bit double more if we ever have the chance. Well, you know, you made me think of that something. I just getting vulnerable. I love to speak and teach and I'm trying to learn how to listen. I don't mean to cut people off. I don't want to not hear. And I love to hear people, but I always want to feel like I want to say something. And sometimes just sitting quiet and listening is, is all we need. Sometimes I don't need to teach my kids. Sometimes they can just speak and just be that listener. What an amazing gift that you've been able to learn how to speak and truly listen. Because I think I think that's a really important skill that I'm still learning personally. Well, good for you to recognize that. And equally, um, I think that there's a place of, or a space of confidence that comes with listening to somebody talk and not just preparing what you're going to say, but rather listening to what you can ask again for them to say more. And that's a really special place because often we can hear somebody ask us a question and we can just go right in and respond and, you know, and start talking right over it or giving our great example or ideas. But it's really special when somebody says something, asks a question or just gives you something in a conversation. And then you say, tell me a little bit more about that. I'm, I'm curious how you got to that place. And then they, they do, and it reveals something that never would have come out had you just shared your knowledge and greatness and wisdom. <laughs> well, and so, even asking him that question, tell me a little bit more about it. Some of us are like, wait, let me think about that. Huh? And it lets us just dig a little deeper to be able to, to those questions are powerful. So I absolutely love that. And I heard a quote, I don't want to mess it up, but it was, um, you know, what's the most important curve on the body? And it was the smile. Uh, <laughs> what's the most important curve on the body? And it's a smile. And I'll say that to my kids jokingly, like, they'll be like, do you like what I'm wearing? Or what, what do you think? And I'll say, what's the most important thing you can wear? And they'll look at me, roll their eyes, a smile, mom. <laughs> the most important thing you can wear every day is a smile, right? I kind love that. Well, you, sound you, know, like an, you sound like an incredible mom, and those are some lucky kids. And, you know, I'll tell you, as a dad of four kids, obviously I 
follow the lead of my wife, who's just brilliant at this mothering thing. And she's an incredible wife as well. So I got the double whammy of joy with this wonderful woman. But I'll tell you, those kids, there's nothing like the laboratory of learning of being a father and just sitting there and thinking, I thought I knew what I was going to do when this all came to pass. And now I really don't know if I know anything. (laughs) Isn't that interesting how these kids teach us so much? They're brilliant. And their absolute divinity. It's amazing the spirits that they bring and they teach us so much. And it's so frustrating for a dad who sees a child with such greatness. And the, you know, in those middle years of middle school and high school, when they start to lack confidence, they start to see themselves not as great as we see them. You know, the problem that a lot of parents have is that. We think our kids are invincible or, you know, the best of the best. And, and then the kid starts to see themselves not nearly as they should. And then they start to make bad choices or start to put themselves down. And it's really been interesting, Talia, as I've practiced trying to listen better and trying to help them through their confidence challenges because our bodies change, our faces change, our teeth change, our... <laughs> our whole life changes with the physical things. Then there's the chemicals inside our brains and our bodies that are going haywire. And it's really a fascinating time to watch as a dad, these kids going through that. Cause I go, Oh, I remember that. That was so hard. How do you get through it? How do you instill confidence and joy and, and grit in a child who's going through that? And so that's what we're doing every day is striving to do that. And hopefully they'll listen to podcasts like this or see and consume media that's helpful because at school they're getting different signals from teachers from every place that they turn. And so to have the positivity that you're spreading through this, this is an important thing you're doing and I appreciate it. Well, and thank you. Thank you for being here. You know, it's interesting you say that because I do believe for me having older kids, I have 19 to four, so quite a range. The more that I've trusted in my kids and let them have those experiences of pain, of joy, of sadness, trusted that they're going to figure it out, turn it over, that I can't be the one to figure it out that there's, you know, they always say it takes a village, but that other people show up. And I've always had a thought, help help bless as many people as I can and my kids will be blessed in return. And I believe that. I really do believe that because most of the time it's not through me that they want to hear. They're not listening to the podcast. A couple of them they did. (laughs) But um, it's because my seminary teacher was on there and a few people that they really thought were super cool, you know, and I'm sure many will listen to this one. But, you know, the thing that that comes is when I try to take from those experiences and control them, we're not learning the lesson. I went through the weird, awkward stage. I mean, I gained and lost 80 pounds five times. That's my story. And I was so awkward in ninth and 10th grade, figuring it out and, and all those struggles that I felt depressed and no self-worth. The reason I share that is because I don't want to take from them. I want them to have those experiences to help them be strong and trust that other people are going to show up, you know? Wow. I love that. And I appreciate you sharing that because that is exactly what I need to do better as a dad is to realize and trust that they'll get through it just like I did and just like you did and just like most people do. And 
that the foundation, hopefully, they feel is built underneath them is something that they can eventually put their heels down and say, oh, yeah, this is a good spot to stand on. And there are people all around me to help me, like the teachers, like the leaders, the those around us. So I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate you. I have one other thought. If you were to leave, um, leave us with something for the person out there, if it's the teens that are listening, because we've drawn in some amazing teens to this podcast with with some stories of, um, you know, what would you say to the one person that that's struggling with school, that's struggling, that they're they're feeling different if it's speech or if it's learning or they don't know how to connect or feel confident? Like, what would you say to them? Even if part of that feels like they, they want to share, they want to communicate, they want more, what would you say to the one person, Jason? Well, I appreciate that question. That's wonderful. And I know when things were really kind of grim for me, even though things have never been that grim if you were to compare it to other people. But for me, in my own mind, I emotionally felt things are grim. That was when I started to realize the power of goals. And that if I were to set a goal and actually hit it, that I was essentially doing something that was of great accomplishment, whether that was just a keeping a goal of or making a goal of like writing in a journal every day for a week straight, or doing some service for somebody. And eventually I realized that I would stay up all night on New Year's night, writing my goals down for the year. And I would accomplish essentially all of those goals every year. And I did that for years. And then eventually I realized there are also some things that are so strong that I'm, I'm going to do them regardless. And those are the promises in my life. And so I decided that there is a difference between goals and promises. And I like to say, why set a goal when you can make a promise? And that's not to say goals aren't important anymore. But if you set a goal and you miss it, you just set another one. Whereas if you make a promise and break it, that's a one and done. So what are the goals that you can set that are the particulars that help you keep the promises that are the proclamations. So I like to say goals are particulars, promises are proclamations. So think of for yourself what goals you could set and what promise you want to keep every single day. For me, the overarching goal or overarching promise of my life is I'm going to spread joy in every interaction. (laughs) Even before this podcast, I was on a phone call with an event planner who actually really didn't help me out with the last event that we were supposed to do together. They held the date for a couple of years and I turned away other opportunities and eventually the event never happened. And yet I was still trying to spread joy on that phone call as they were talking about doing something else with me. Now the goals are things like making the phone calls or you know, doing the emails and doing all of the particulars of the work. But the overarching promise is to spread joy. And so when I wrote my book, The Promise to the One, and the one is yourself, and here it is, there's plenty of them on Amazon, I'm sure. But the promise to the one is the promise to yourself. What is that one promise that you promise yourself you'll do every day? Whether it's a promise of health, promise of joy, promise of service, promise of listening. You can make a couple of promises that are pretty powerful. You just need to make the right ones and keep them. And all the other goals fall into place so that you can achieve that. 
when you do those things, you'll find greater confidence. You'll find a greater connection with other people. And you'll find that you are living the promise that you're meant to come here to find and discover for yourself. And when you do that, your life will be rich and blessed. And you'll be the blessing in other people's lives that they're needing. And I know that the people that are listening, every single person listening has great signature moves that the world needs. And how dare you not share them because you need to live the promise and you've got this. Oh man, Jason, that is so wonderful. You know what? That just is encouraging. And even for those that are like, but I can't promise to do the big things. We can smile a little more. I mean, we can look at someone in the eyes that's got their head down in the halls at school. I mean, the bullies that are bullying maybe just want a little bit of love and kindness and share joy to the teachers that are overburdened from all the kids on their cell phones. And right, like we can do the little things. I love how you're saying that. It doesn't have to be big. Just one promise that we're going to be a little better every day. I love how you say that too. And you know, a lot of times I've, I've proclaimed that the promise is aspirational and that it's far reaching. But honestly, the more I've spoken about this around the world now, I'm realizing that the promise is a low hanging fruit. Because to just say my promise is to spread joy, that is really simple. It's not that hard, but it's actually really hard for some people <laughs> that don't focus on it. And yeah. so it, it can be aspirational, but it's also something that's very foundational. So it's not just an umbrella, but it's something we can stand upon and say, this is the foundation of what I'm going to do to create a life of confidence, connection, and helping spread the best of life that I can throughout this world. Well, I absolutely love that. And just so grateful for everything that you've shared today. I know that we can do that. I know that we could reach for the low hanging fruit. And it's interesting you talk so much about joy, because in this podcast, what we've shared is it's really not about the circumstances that we were going through. It's about trying to find joy in what we're learning and growing from. And you definitely have shared some joy with us today. And just want to thank you so much, Jason. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you and the joy you're spreading. It's wonderful to be on this with you and I wish you the best and I'll support you any way I can. Well, and I know that and you're amazing. And if you guys want to look at his book and he has this brand new YouTube channel, that's phenomenal. We'll put all the links down in the show notes. And again, Jason, we've got this. If we can share creating confident communication one person at a time, then we know you can too.